Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Hey friends, welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast. This week, I'm going to start off by giving you your horoscope for August 12th through the 18th, and then... I'm going to answer a listener's question. So I hope you stick around for the second half of this podcast. But let's start off with your week ahead. First of all, how are you feeling? How did the eclipse go? Um, You know, there's just been so much energy building, so much emotional energy building. You may have been feeling really distracted or anxious or inspired. Whatever it is, it's just been a lot and a lot of emotion. And what's happening this week, you know, regardless of all the astrology I'm going to give you, I'll just say, it's still going to be a lot. We're still in the kind of like aftermath of this eclipse on Saturday, the 11th or whatever day of the week it is where you're listening from. And so, you know, if you're feeling intense, if you're feeling really kind of like activated emotionally, uh, take care of yourself around it. Don't try to work around it. That's not what we're meant to do. Instead, try to work with your feelings and your needs so that you can not only take good care of yourself and, you know, kind of be a good friend to yourself, but also so that you can kind of use the rest of the astrology that is available to you. So let me get into it. On the 12th, Mars retrograde, because we still do have a Mars retrograde, moves from Aquarius into Capricorn. Now, Mars is the planet of fighting and fornicating. We have, you know, war is governed by Mars, at least like combat is governed by Mars, but also ambition and egoism and doing it. Uh, Mars is in, uh, in, in the context of dating the hunter and not the gatherer, if you will. And so when Mars retrogrades, when any planet retrogrades, its energies become more inward and less kind of successful in terms of external ambition. And Mars retrograde is, you know, a great opportunity for you to really look at your ego, to look at what you're fighting for and why, to understand how you're going about uh, the things you do, because that's what Mars is. It's the things you do. And in particular, around your ambitions, around your relationship to anger and the way you express anger and around sex and the kind of like active part of your sexuality. The thing about the this particular shift into Capricorn is that Capricorn is the sign of, uh, you know, hierarchies and patriarchy and capitalism. It's, it's kind of like the powers that be. And right now we have heavy, heavy Saturn and transformative and powerful Pluto in that sign as well. And so, you know, having Mars come back to Capricorn, it just really intensifies probably a lot of what we're seeing societally and politically, and certainly this kind of tension in our individual lives around what the hell am I doing with my life? Is it working? Am I brave enough to do what I actually want to do? Can I be patient enough to take the steps to get there? And so as this kind of energy moves, you're probably going to feel a shift this week. And so my advice around this is a couple of things. First of all, to really look at what you're doing. What are you fighting for in your personal life, but also in the world? What is it that you're trying to actually make happen and why? Because if you're fighting 
to, let's say, maintain a job that you really hate and that isn't connected to your larger goals, perhaps you're fighting for the wrong thing. If you're fighting with someone who you don't actually trust, who you don't actually believe that you have a future with, then what are you doing, right? And in the context of the way you approach your relationships, this may be a really important time to look at the role that sex and sexual expression play in who you choose and who you stay with, and then all the things connected to that. This is a great time to reflect because it's a retrograde. And in terms of Capricorn, it's a great time to look at what you're actually doing, structurally speaking, and understand that what you do now is a foundation for what comes later. And where you're at now, the foundation of it was laid in the past in no small part by you. And, you know, my shtick with astrology is I really do feel that there is um, an important dance between free will and predestiny. So really look at what you have used your will to actually do and to consent to and to engage with, because that's what Mars is all about. And if you can kind of understand how you have action and consequence playing out in your life right now, this gets really exciting because then you can adjust your actions to get better and more effective results in your life. It's kind of, you know, really useful. So do something with it. That's my advice. Do something with it. On the 18th, we have a bunch of things happening. We have Mercury going direct. Thank you, Jesus. This Mercury retrograde has been so annoying to me. I don't know about you guys. My internet, I swear, my internet will not work just no matter where I am, my phone loses its connection. I'm having lots of technical issues. I don't know what y'all are experiencing, but you know, when Mercury goes retrograde, it's not in retrograde. It goes retrograde. When Mercury goes retrograde, uh, you know, there's just a lot of communication annoyances and miscommunications and, you know, kind of stupid mistakes. And it's, it's not the end of the world. It's pretty annoying. And I am happy to say, you know, we've got a couple days of the shadow after the retrograde is over on the 18th, but we're just about home free. So feel good about that. It's pretty exciting. One less planet moving retrograde right now is not a bad thing. On that same day, we have a Mercury sextile to Venus, which is really a lovely chill um, transit. It basically makes it a great day for connecting with people. It's a great time for meeting up with others or doing creative tasks and kind of like, you know, smoothing stuff over socially. It's just a lovely little, a lovely little transit. I'm not going to talk about it too much because it's super chill. That same day, we have something else happening, which is a Jupiter trying to Neptune. Now, Jupiter trying to Neptune, these are two outer planets. They're slower moving planets. And this, this transit is really powerful in my view, because both of these planets, more than any other planets in the zodiac, are related to idealism and humanitarianism. Arguably, Uranus could be involved in this, but I'm gonna—I'm just gonna stay focused on this Jupiter Neptune, and I got caught in the weeds of astrology. I'm gonna tell you this: Jupiter trying Neptune is an incredibly powerful transit, and on a societal level, it's going to call into question, but not in a challenging, difficult way. In 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 a way that is really giving us an opportunity to have more empathy for each other. This transit is a spiritualizing force. It opens up our ability and willingness to see everyone as a cousin and everyone as connected. And this can kind of get lost if we let it. 
in a way where we just kind of are like posi vibes only, you know, like things on social media and don't really do much else can be a little bit escapist. But if you're willing to use that Mars retrograde in Capricorn, if you're willing to mobilize and do something, then you can use this energy as a kind of jumping off point to actualize based on what you truly believe in. Do something for others, kind of pay whatever whatever you have to offer forward. And that means getting involved in the betterment of the environment or of social justice or the needs of others. Because, you know, hopefully you know that there's a lot of messed up shit happening right now. And there are many ways to be involved. But this week, and in particular around the 18th, is such a powerful time to put yourself out there and to share of yourself and to be of service to something that you really believe in and to allow empathy to empower you towards a powerful action forward. On more of a personal level, this is an excellent time for, again, connecting to spirituality, to kind of being open spiritually. And it's also a great time if you're an artist or if you're studying some sort of, of the creative arts around like philosophy or if you're a writer or whatever. Um, this can just be a time where you feel really inspired and really connected to your muse. And it's a if it's one of those things where, in my view, generally these trines, as we have a trine here, it's a 120 degree uh, angle and it is a lovely flow of energy. And these trines, if you don't really do anything, then it kind of feels nice and it feels chill and you feel like, oh, I got a lot done that day or I was feeling inspired that day. But if you leverage this energy, if you decide that you're going to acknowledge the energy and work with the energy, it's so powerful and connections happen. So my hope is that you acknowledge both sides of this transit, both the kind of social side and the personal side to make the most of it. And connected to that, I would say, really ask yourself this week across the boards, what am I doing in my life that reflects what I believe and what I want to see in the world? Because, you know, this isn't a time in history. And in general, I think it's arguable. It's never really a time, but for sure right now, it isn't a time to wait for someone else to do something. Okay. It's time to get actively involved and to do your own little part to help the world. And let me just be really clear. You're not going to fix anything. I'm not going to fix anything. Each of us as individuals don't need to fix anything, but we do need to participate in ways that are consistent with our integrity. That's essential to being able to be right with yourself on a spiritual level. But also if every person is doing that, then it gets done. And if, you know, most of us are just liking things on Instagram or, you know, reading articles and tis tisking to our friends. Nothing really changes. Change actually happens with lots and lots of small actions. So lend your hand to help. That is my advice for the astrology this week. And next, I will be answering your listener question. Welcome back to your Q&A corner of Ghost of a Podcast. So I got a really great question from Kay Lemon. Kay Lemon said, could you give advice about how to heal in a healthy way after a breakup? Some people drink or do drugs or binge eat. So I was wondering if you had any tips you could share on better ways to deal. 
This is a really great question. And, you know, I wish there was like a universal, simple way. Of course, there isn't. If there was, we would all have read about it by now. Oprah would have had the way on her show and you would have watched the show by now. It would have happened. But that said, um, I really do think that the way to heal a broken heart is uncomfortable. It's to be brokenhearted and to not kind of rush your process because the heart, to be honest, I think of the heart kind of like a corgi, you know, you know, those little dogs, corgis, they're really low to the ground. But I think of the heart as kind of like a corgi with a cone on its head, you know, low to the ground, kind of, you know, not super mobile, can't really see outside of what's directly in its vision. That's kind of how I think of the heart. And so often what our heart wants and how our heart processes through things is not consistent with what we think we should want or what we cognitively believe. And this is just part of being a human and part of developing emotional maturity, which I really believe is a gateway to happiness or peace within yourself, is being able to tolerate, okay, I this is how I feel and this is where I am. And I'm not going to rush myself out of it or indulge it. So the reason why people drink or do drugs or even binge eat or shop compulsively, any kind of compulsive behavior like this, is all pretty much for the same reason. It's because they don't like how they feel and they want to feel different. It's the only reason to get lit is because you want to feel differently than you do right now. The only reason to binge eat or watch 12 hours of Netflix in a row is because you don't want to feel what you're feeling. And to a certain extent, that's okay. And that extent, to the extent of which it is okay, is really up to you to determine for yourself. Um, although it's always wise to get, you know, counsel from friends and people who know you about whether or not you're checking out too much or self-harming instead of self-helping. Um, but really, I think that the reason why we do this is we don't know how to feel what we're feeling. And when you're heartbroken over someone, grief is just... I mean, it just takes time. It does take time. And I think some constructive ways to think about this are, are you making up a story to match your feelings? Are you convincing yourself that you um, had something amazing with this person when in fact it was really unhealthy? Are you allowing yourself to fixate on the potential that you think exists between you and them or the potential that you think they have? how they could be if only they would change A, B, and C about themselves. Because when we do those things, we're not really present in the reality of our situation or the reality of who that other person is. And that kind of keeps us stuck. The truth is true whether or not you want to accept it. The truth is true whether or not you want to look at it or feel it. And so making sure that the stories you tell yourself about what is right now or what was when you were together is not a pure fiction or even like a 50% fiction. You want to get as, as close to a true story as possible. You know, this is not reality TV. This is your life. And it is compelling when you're sad to stay sad about someone because when a relationship is over, truly one of the only things that really link you to that person at a certain point becomes your grief about them, you know, and when you lose your grief and when you lose your upset, you kind of lose them. And then there's nothing or there's a fear that there will be nothing. And I see over and over again in the work that I do that a big theme for people is when they're heartbroken, 
the fears that they have chronically about being alone and not being lovable kind of emerge and kind of look for evidence, right? That, that yes, in fact, you will be alone. Yes, in fact, you are not lovable. And so you want to really track that to make sure you're not indulging that story because, you know, it's easy to spin things. You know that. We watch TV. We, we, we see ads. It's really easy to spin things. And if you're going to spin things, basically you're not really sitting with the truth. And, but that said, if you're going to spin things, you might as well go for a positive spin instead of a negative spin. And the truth is that when we go through grief and when we learn how to let someone go, there's always a, cho- a choice here, right? You can lose yourself in loss in a way that kind of hobbles your ability to love. It makes it so that you don't trust other people, you don't trust yourself. Or you can allow your grief and your capacity to love to kind of be evidence of your capacity to love and let that inspire you to love more deeply next time. And when I say love more deeply, I don't mean love other people more deeply necessarily. I mean, love yourself more deeply so that when you give of yourself to someone, you don't do it unconditionally. Unconditional love and acceptance is beautiful and healthy and appropriate on one level. But on another level, there needs to be conditions because when you love somebody without the condition of, I know what I need in order to be healthy and right with myself, when that condition isn't uh, asserted and maintained by you, then you're not doing a good job of love. Because if you don't love yourself in action, it's really hard to recognize when someone else is not loving you in action, right? So to kind of come back to what do you do, right? How do you, how do you deal with heartbreak? I think what's important is give yourself time, you know, give yourself many months to deal with true heartbreak. And at a certain point, There's a difference between I feel sad, I feel hurt, because honestly, everyone goes through grief at a different pace. And I am giving myself permission to indulge those feelings. So in other words, let yourself have the feelings without necessarily allowing yourself to isolate yourself from friends, without necessarily allowing yourself to mask or medicate the feeling through food or through drink. Challenge yourself to adopt less disassociative behaviors, even though you'll be sadder at first, because the potential there is for you to actually go through it so that you can come out on the other side. When we lose ourselves in substance use or other checking out strategies, we aren't healing. All we have is um, kind of a quieting of our symptoms. You need to heal. And healing is often really painful. You break a bone, you go to a doctor, those jerks will just re-break the bone for you, right? That's what they do so that it can set properly. And that's just part of healing. It's sometimes you have to like be broken into a bunch of pieces so that you can identify how to put yourself back together again. Don't abandon yourself at your time of need. That's really the the kind of gist of what I'm saying here. And that takes practice. No one is great at this. No one enjoys this. So the fact that you may suck at it or you may be hating every second of it is not uh, a sign of anything, right? It's just the process. Be kind to yourself. Ask for help when you need it. And, you know, try to love again. Love cats. Love astrology. 
love people, love friends, and build to a place where you can have kind of like the right relationship with yourself that will allow you to pick the right people to be with. And, you know, and that said, I I would kind of add that not every relationship is supposed to be permanent. Not every relationship is supposed to end up in a specific way. Some people have this idea that you failed in a relationship when it doesn't work. But the only way to truly fail in a relationship is to not learn anything. It's to abandon yourself totally and not learn from that abandonment, right? If you are able to learn about yourself, about the world, about the person you've been with, then you haven't failed, even if you didn't get what you wanted, you know? So that's my kind of heavy answer to your kind of heavy question. I hope it's helpful. Please at me. Let me know what you thought of this answer. Let me know if you have any other questions. You can uh, send me an email over on my website is the email form um, and ask me more questions about your love life because I love answering questions about love and heartbreak because I have a lot of experience in it. All right, my friends, I will talk to you later. Bye. Every year they say the end is near